What's up, people of Earth, and welcome to The Watcher. My name is David Essa. In today's episode, I'm going to be discussing all the, <laughs> I guess, wonderful things that happened this weekend. Uh, uh, let's start off with the thing that's on everyone's mind. Um, that being Game of Thrones. Uh, I mean, as dumpster fires go, it was, it was, it was, it was a massive dumpster fire. I think, I think they, they had a, they had something wonderful on their hands, and in the final season, they, I think they kind of lost track of what they had. Um, you know, the whole theme of, of breaking the wheel and changing the, the society in Westeros was, the, I think, the biggest theme, or the biggest themes in the, in the last couple of seasons, and they, they shone through quite well. I think this eighth season in a whole was, was pretty bad, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy a lot of it. The first episode was was nice because it was kind of like a, a reunion episode, and then the second episode was just a lot of exposition and table setting, and then the third episode kind of upset me. And that's just because the, the White Walkers in in the show were built up and and hyped to a point where you thought, "Damn, that's the White Walkers are the end." You know, that's that's what it's gonna be. The throne's not going to be important by the end of it because the White Walkers are going to be the biggest threat. And then they were handled in like an hour. Uh, sure, it was fan service. Fan service at its finest. And a lot of cool stuff happened. But I think they mishandled the White Walkers in a big, big way. Um, <laughs> then... Then we get the the battle for the throne. Uh, we see the whole the trope of the Targaryen curse come out in in Daenerys, and you know she sort of loses her mind, or slowly begins the process of losing her mind, and destroys King's Landing. Uh, honestly. If, if, if it was me in that position, I probably would have done the same thing. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but it obviously raised red flags for our main characters in the show. Like your Jon Snows and your Tyrions. They saw where her reign was going to lead the world. Uh, and it was just going to be, as Tyrion said, fire and blood. There wasn't going to be much else. Um, so I think she had to die for, for the show to be rounded off perfectly. Daenerys had to die. I think that was the, the ultimate goal. Um, the way it ended with, uh, uh, Bran ending up the king of the six kingdoms. Honestly, if I'm being honest, I didn't hate the ending. Um, 
I didn't hate the fact that they kind of gave us this out of left field option as king. But what I think what upset everybody that fell in love with this franchise is that they built up characters and specific characters for 10 years, almost 10 years. There was development, growth, and definite, definite fan passion. And a lot of a lot of painstaking hours put into the show and put into characters in the show. Uh, like Jon Snow. Jon Snow is a character that I think everybody was rooting for from the jump. And when we found out in season 7 that he's a Targaryen, we all thought, oh wow, Jon has to end up on the throne. This is awesome. This is a game changer. It means all of this. And then at the end of the show, it meant nothing. They sent him to the Night's Watch, where he becomes a no one, which is where he started. He lives life happily with the wildlings, I guess. But like, that's such a, it's such a cop-out. Uh, I think the trope of history beating out legacy in that sense was, it's bullshit. I think the writers and showrunners they tried to make a statement and it hurt the show in a big way. But then again, the season finale was the most watched uh, episode of television since The Sopranos. So they didn't fail. You know, we still watched it. The whole world still devoted almost two hours of watch time to it. So, you know, congratulations to them. They made a great show. Uh, the you know season five was dirt, and so was most of season six, and season seven kind of picked up again, and then season eight was just horrible. So I think all in all, Game of Thrones wasn't as great a show as as we all thought, but um, it's over now, and it ended in in <laughs> in a dissatisfying manner. Which is something that we can we can live with. I think we'll all get over it eventually. Um, the one thing that I kind of wanted to see is is how they handle the prequel episodes or the prequel show that they're going to be making, because you know the events that go on in that show hold absolutely no bearing on the larger universe at play. So what what was the po- what's the point of having that that whole uh, that whole series uh but again you know whatever happens happens i think um if we look at the show and where it ended there's so many loose ends there's a dragon flying around the world just gonna be causing havoc um who's gonna pay the, the iron bank back for cersei's army uh it's gonna take at least 15 to 20 years to rebuild King's Landing. You know, they didn't give John the throne because of the Unsullied, and then at the end of the episode, the Unsullied leave. So that made no sense. Uh, Sam made a plea for democracy and they laughed at him. That also made no sense. So, all in all, season 8 was terrible. They ended the great show off in a pretty, pretty shit way. Um, but like I'm I'm done with it now. It, it's a bad taste. I want it out of my mouth. 
Uh, I'm not going to break it down further. I'm not going to talk about all the shit that they went into about subverting the narrative and all that extra shit. It's all bullshit that they they said to make us feel like we didn't waste 10 years of our lives watching a show and investing you know, time into characters and into into people that we rooted for that ended up either dying or just not ending up the way we wanted them to end up. Um, so yeah, Game of Thrones, dumps the fire, let's move on. Um, Detective Pikachu, uh, apparently, fantastic movie, I, I haven't seen it yet, um, so I have to kind of, apo- I think I have to apologize because I, I lied last week, I said there'd be a review, um, the review is going to be a little later, uh, I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to go watch the movie, but from what I've read on it and the reviews I've read about it, it's a smash hit, they want a green lit, uh, they, oh, they want a green light uh, second movie already, uh, it broke a record, it's the highest grossing video game movie ever made, which is super dope, uh, it overtook uh, 2001 Angelina Jolie, uh, Lara Croft, which came in at 46 million I believe, and Detective Pikachu after its opening weekend had 56 million so it did really well it's still doing really well on the global box office um they making a second one it looks like like things are really picking up there and it's interesting you know it's 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 something that we've we've all wanted for a really long time and they're giving it giving it to us in a in a unique way um you know a live action pokemon movie was something that i've wanted for years as as a fan of the of the cartoons and obviously of the you know the the nintendo games i always wanted to see what it would be like in live action and the way they did it giving us the detective pikachu sort of uh, story and characterization is genius because it's it's different it's a fresh take it allows us to see this the Pokemon universe in a completely different light also because you get to see kind of the underbelly of of the Pokemon world instead of just the oh we all trainers and it's a lot of fun Pokemon are friends and you're all that wonderful nonsense uh, so yeah I'm excited I can't wait to watch this movie um, and give you guys a proper review uh, that will be like sometime in June, probably, I'll backlog it, and just release it eventually, after I've watched the movie, uh, John Wick, the third, did, uh, exceptionally well, and is doing exceptionally well, so much so, that the release date for John Wick 4, is out already, and it's May 21st, 2021, so, save it in your calendars, uh, it's gonna be a riot, I haven't watched the third one either, uh, which sucks, uh, I haven't watched John Wick, but I will get there, and I will give you guys these, the reviews as soon as possible, um, I mean, yeah, it's a bankable franchise with a bankable actor, and Keanu Reeves doesn't seem like he's slowing down or wanting to stop anytime soon, he even hinted at, uh, <clears throat> wanting to be in the Marvel franchise, so, you know, keep, keep him going, you know, Bleed him out as long as you can. 
I don't mind watching Keanu Reeves. I, in fact, I'd still watch Keanu Reeves if he was like lugging around an oxygen tank well into his 80, 80s, 90s. I'd still watch a Keanu Reeves movie just because it's Keanu Reeves. Uh, so yeah, you know, keep keep pushing out content with him. Keep making great stuff, and I'm really excited for John Wick Four. Um, <laughs> now let's discuss. I think the biggest news. This is going to be something that I'm. I'm gonna. Majority of the episode is going to be this. <sighs> Batman. Robert Pattinson is going to be Batman. Um, I think. Uh, everybody is feeling a certain way about it and rightfully so everyone should have their trepidations and their their thoughts and worries and concerns because everyone knows Robert Pattinson as the dude from the glowy vampire movie you know no one's gonna look past Twilight and no one should I feel Um, yes he has done some interesting things in in previous years and in you know the current time since uh, the glowy vampire movie but I still think that the blemish of Twilight is gonna affect his performance as as Batman Um, also they've released that the I think the two main protagonists are gonna be Catwoman and Penguin which is interesting. Uh, we know Josh Gad's been campaigning like a ma uh, for uh, for Penguin. I'd love to see Josh Gad as Penguin. He has the definitely has the range and potential to be not just a comical version of, of Penguin because we know he can do comedy, but I think he has the ability to sw- kind of flip the switch and be the the darker, grittier, more gangster version of Penguin. Um, It'll be interesting to see him in that kind of role as well. Um, you know, for, for someone who everyone knows from this massive comedic background coming into a, a dark noir film, it'll be very interesting to see. Um, I would hate if they make him the default comic relief in the movie, because that's just a waste of, of talent and like a waste of time. Uh, you should have rather just used the Riddler instead of Penguin then but I doubt they'll do that Matt Reeves is a smart man and he knows what he's doing and I have faith in him you know not so much Robert Pattinson but I have faith in Matt Reeves and his vision for Batman sounds interesting everything he's pitched so far has has sold me you know they sold a ticket when Matt Reeves came out and he was like, nah, you know, he's the greatest detective in the world and no one ever know, you know, they never ever explore that. So I'm going to. They saw the ticket already with me. So I'm excited for it still, but my my excitement has moved from a 10 to a six and a half when they cast Robert Pattinson because now it opens up a massive, massive fail gap. The movie could be a, a raging success and Robert Pattinson could be Batman for the next 10 years. Or the movie could fall so hard on its ass that we don't see Batman again for another, what, like 10 years. The Sort of like what happened with George Clooney. It's, it's either going to be a George Clooney or Christian Bale performance. That's, that's the way I see it going. 
um they're giving us a new cat woman um interesting there's a couple of actresses who i think would be awesome as cat woman uh isa gonzalez is definitely top of my list um she's a fantastic actress she and she's coming off a fantastic year in 2018 um she was in that alita battle angel movie with james cameron she was in uh she's going to be in Hobbs and Shaw the Fast and the Furious movie she was in a whole smattering of others uh that that did well in like Can and Sundance uh, so she's definitely got the ability and the talent to do it uh, another actress that a lot of fans have been speculating is Vanessa Hutchins um also not a terrible choice uh she could certainly make a good Catwoman in terms of aesthetic and look uh acting I don't know I really don't know where she stands on the acting standpoint I haven't watched her in in anything relevant or recent since that Spring Breakers movie she made with James Franco which was it just it just was I don't know how to explain that movie uh but yeah that was the last thing I saw in so I don't know if she can pull it off acting wise um but yeah I'm excited I think Catwoman is an interesting character and also in the comic books right now the relationship between Batman and Catwoman is is pretty important it's an intense relationship you know they're married now and stuff like that so it'll be an interesting dynamic to see play out on screen if they follow the the sort of current uh pantheon in the co- and story in the comic books um but again like it's um um trepidations are high for this movie at the moment i don't really i don't know where i stand on it anymore i was very excited because it's matt reeves and he's a genius and he's going to do his he's going to do the movie justice and he's going to do batman justice but i think casting Robert Pattinson is a bold move. Robert Pattinson by no stretch of the imagination is a terrible actor. Uh, I think judging him as an actor based on the Twilight movies is unfair because he's a tremendous actor. But as fans, when we see him without the mask on, we are going to know that that dude was a glowing vampire and it's going to piss a lot of people off. Um but also shit take the risk you know w- worst case scenario is DC make another bad movie it's fine add it to the list uh best case scenario is we have a new batman and one that has longevity in him uh you know Robert Pattinson is what like 30 31 so he's good for a couple of years uh at least um so yeah I'm I have my trepidations but I'm also still excited still optimistic and definitely think that if they do it right and if they create a batman as good as the one that i have in my head in terms of the detective side they definitely going to have a great movie um so good on dc they're taking a risk that's extremely risky but it's 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 more of a high risk high reward situation because the actor that they've chosen 
is not a shit actor. He's a fantastic actor. Uh, you know, it's not like they went out and they were like, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cast this random dude from the CW that's, that no one knows and we're going to make him Batman. That's a risk that's going to kill you. They decided to go for um, an actor that's going to be able to portray the version of the character in Matt Reeves' script. And I think that's the best idea they have. Um, but sticking with DC. <laughs> DC have, have, have definitely slowed down. They, they've released now important news on the Batman movie, which we know is only coming out two years from now. They've released uh, a fantastic trailer for the Joker movie coming out later this year with Joaquin Phoenix that looks face-meltingly beautiful. And it, it's, def- it's going to make all the money. I have a feeling that that movie is going to make triple its budget. And considering its budget was only $58 million, it's definitely going to make triple that. I can already see it. Um, the Birds of Prey movie caught some steam. I really like the look of it. I like the character choice. I like the uh, villain choice, the acting, uh, you know, the choice of actors. All of it's perf- perfect. It's falling into place quite nicely. But they've slowed down. There's still a shit ton of, a shit ton of characters that we want to see and that we haven't heard from. The Flash is basically non-existent anymore in the DCEU. And that sucks. I think the Flash, um, yes, it's it's become a, he's become a saturated character because of the TV series. But I think we need a DCEU movie of the Flash. I feel that the only way that you can, if this Batman movie is successful, the only way you can intertwine the universes is with a Flashpoint movie. You know, you're gonna need one, and you're gonna need one in a big bad way. Um, Shazam was a complete success uh, and the beauty of Shazam being a, a success is they have to churn out as many of the Shazam movies as possible while um, the kid that plays Billy Batson is still young so we're gonna see a, a couple of Shazam movies in the coming years uh, so for, I, I hope that they're not gonna put it all on his shoulders because uh, he could definitely carry the franchise. I think he did that. Shazam did a fantastic job in the first movie, but it, it's difficult to hit that type of mark every time. I think resting it solely on Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Shazam is a dangerous game to play. So DC need to kind of step the game up and take the take the leap. Go find a great director and a great writer. It's not that hard. It's not that hard you have you have a director who in my opinion should be doing live live action superhero movies in brad bird i would go to brad bird and i'd be like hey i have this character he's about 25 30 years old he is a science genius and he's gifted with the powers of super speed write me a you know 300 page script and shoot me a movie you get a good Flash movie, you get a good DCEU, I think. I definitely believe that, because the f- if, if, if they make a Flashpoint movie, and if they make a Flash movie, and it happens to be the, a Flashpoint movie, there's so much possibility for the DCEU in, a, in its entirety. 
you can go the 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 Flashpoint Paradox route that we got in the comic books and in the cartoon um, movie a couple years back, which is awesome. I definitely want to see that. Or you can just get Flash going back in time, saving his mother, and that one action doesn't impact the whole world, but it impacts small things in the universe that have massive ramifications. Like, oh wow, there's a Batman's changed? What happened to Bruce? He used to look different. Uh, Superman's changed? What happened to Ke- what happened to uh, Clark? He used to be different. Yo, shit like that. Uh, Ray Fisher, the guy that plays Cyborg, posted a pretty cryptic image on Instagram. It's basically a picture of him as Cyborg and the Flash in the background, and he was like Zack and uh, and the guys are doing some great work on Venmo. So I don't know if that was footage from. Zack Snyder's Justice League cut or if it's footage from maybe a Flash and Cyborg buddy cop movie you know like a sort of Falcon uh, Winter Soldier type of vibe honestly wouldn't hate it I think if they come out and they give us a Flash and Cyborg movie where they're kind of these the two young ones in the group trying to you know find their way in society I wouldn't mind it it wouldn't make a lot of money (laughs) I'll be honest with you but it would be a nice movie to watch. I'd definitely go and watch it and enjoy it because Ezra Miller and Ray Fisher have great chemistry as actors and they are fantastic actors. So they could definitely pull off like a buddy cop sort of superhero movie. Uh, but yeah, DC need to step their game up. I know that the Justice League movie didn't do what they thought it was going to do and now they have their sort of concerns and Warner Brothers is definitely... A little bit more cautious about what and who they give IP to but I definitely think that DC need to step their game up and start producing uh, more you know it's not just Cyborg and Flash we're talking about the greatest comic book house ever in terms of characters they have such a big toy chest and they've played with I think only 4% of it since like 2006 so why not dive deep you know give us a live action Constantine movie give us Zatanna give us fucking dead man give us Swamp Thing you go go anywhere I think James Gunn's Suicide Squad movie if you look at the lineup that he decided to pick it's perfect it's classic DC characters that no one who no one besides comic book fans are going to know who the hell Polka Dot Man is. And that's what I love about DC. They have characters that seem th- that seem like throwaway characters. But at the end of the day, when you look at them, they can be franchise-winning characters. I mean, Polka Dot Man, King Shark, Rat Man. These are characters that no one expected to see ever in their life. You know, these are characters that we were like, oh, maybe they'll get five minutes on a cartoon in the 90s. Now they're having a live action moment. I think that's what DC need to aim for. They need to dive deep into their treasure chest and pull out gems. Give us a Martian Manhunter movie. Fucking the Red Tornado. Throw throw us a a complete curveball. I guarantee you it'll pay off. Because at the moment... After, I think, the success 
that was Endgame, there's a massive, massive gap in the superhero market. Yes, Spider-Man comes out in three weeks, but after Spider-Man, everything's kind of up in the air. Um, they did release the, the Disney Slate. Uh, I will go into that in a, another episode. That's going to be a whole episode on its own. Uh, but the movies are, are so well spaced out for DC to be really successful in the coming years. They could they could release at least four or five movies from now until like 2023. And they could by that time be on level footing with Marvel in their next phase. Which is exciting to think about. But I think Warner Brothers need to look at themselves and look at the IP they have and start trusting uh, trusting the talent they bring in a little bit more. I think Warner Brothers is too concerned about making that dollar now and it ends up ruining the story because they interfere with the creative and they interfere with a vision that the creative directors and writers set out and that affects not just the, the movie but it affects everything it affects character development it affects goddamn cinematography all of that shit becomes it's affected and it ruins everything the Justice League movie is case and point. Yes, it was external circumstances that led Zack Schneider to leave, but the pressure from Warner Brothers to make a movie a certain way affected the creative process of making a movie. It ends up ruining everything. You know, it ruins everything. You look at that Fantastic Four movie that came out in 2015. It, it was horseshit, and it wasn't because of the actors or the writers, it was because the studio decided to fire the director three months into production. You can't do that shit. You hired a creative director. Keep the creative director. And this is the problem that I think DC will always have. It's the Warner Brothers brass keeps breathing down the neck of <laughs> of their directors and of their writers, and it ends up poisoning and infecting the creative process that that leads up to the movie in a whole and that creates the movie in a whole and once that happens you're never gonna get a good movie uh you know they made david air fight and he fought hard to get suicide squad that r rating and even with you know and it didn't work out the way he wanted it to because even with the r rating even if they had the R rating, I feel the movie still wouldn't have been as good because Warner Brothers would have been like, uh, you can't have this guy bite that dude's head off five minutes into the movie. It's just not going to be the same. Then you look at Venom. Venom as a movie was upgrade with with Tom Hardy. Just this time it was a little bit more Marvel, Marvel-y. And the R rating didn't help the movie at all. But it allowed you to have in the five action sequences that were in that movie, it allowed you to have some amazing looking scenes. And that's all you need. You know, that's why that movie did as well as it did. Um, they had a, a you know, strong story paired with a strong actor, paired with a strong director. And it ended up making a fantastic and well-rounded movie. And this is where Warner Brothers and DC kind of clash all the time because two of them, the two of them, 
can never just come together and make an IP work. It's always a battle. It's never just, oh, I like this idea. Let's push it. It's always, okay, I see what you're doing. I like it. But what if Superman and Batman start fighting and then everything just falls to shit? So I think DC and Warner Brothers need to have a a powwow um, and a sort of intervention with themselves and discuss where to from here because they can gap the market and start releasing some amazing content. Um, I think the success of Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman, those are the movies that are going to end up carrying the movie for uh, carrying the DC EU forward. If you look, James Wan is already working on a sort of outsiders uh, into Atlantis kind of documentary movie, which fuck why not it's James Wan he's creative he's amazing he gave us Aquaman let him do it you know let him film a a deep dive excuse the pun into Aquaman's universe without Aquaman why not it's something that's different unique and it allows you to play with characters in a massive pantheon of just fantastic IP let them do it let the creative people be creative that's the only way you get good movies. I think they need to get a... <laughs> it's tough to say, but DC need a Kevin Feige. They need a guy with the foresight and the balls big enough to say, I want to make a Zatanna movie. This is my director. This is my writer. Here's my actress. We're going to push it through and we're going to make it. If it fails, it fails, but it's not going to fail because we have guys behind it that are going to make it amazing and they're going to make it right and they're going to do the character justice and we're going to end up getting a a franchise building character on our hands right now they don't have that right now it's Warner Brothers Studios finds a director they find a writer and then 10 months into into the sort of creative process of that movie they're like maybe we should get this producer and this producer and this writer and that director and that's how you end up losing talent like what happened with Lord and Miller on the Flash movie. Uh, and why the Flashpoint movie had seven directors, yet we still don't have a movie. Um, the studio gets too involved and it ends up fucking up the entire process of, um, of the film being made. So, yeah, DC need to kind of take a step back and look at themselves... <laughs> sort of introspectively with Warner Brothers. They need to have a sit down and just a heart to heart about what they need to do because the DC universe has the largest pool of character IP and the largest pool of fantastic IP that hasn't been touched yet. You know, it 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 hurts sometimes when you look at the potential of what the DC universe could be and when you think about what it could be and then you realize what we have is Batman vs Superman, Justice League and Suicide Squad. You know, it could have been a lot better and it should have been a lot better. So hopefully in the coming years they realize what they have on their hands and they make the best out of it. Um, yeah, hopefully. So anyway, guys, that's my time for today. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Um, Shoutouts 
to you guys for getting the last episode to the highest listens in my my current rolodex of episodes i appreciate you guys uh there's more exciting stuff to come the watcher is gonna get a lot more exciting it's gonna get a lot more interesting um working on some things with some people hopefully it's gonna be more than one voice soon so bear with me i appreciate you guys for the support and the love on the social medias and the twitter and the instagram and the such um yeah let's let's keep this train rolling and hopefully it gets better from here um thank you people of earth peace out